Welcome to another exciting episode of The Tax Efficient Investor. Listen in as host Michael Johnston demystifies tax-efficient tactics to help you grow your wealth. We break down complex tax strategies and make them simple to understand and easy to implement. From HSAs to IRAs, 1031s, trusts, and more, we cover it all here on The Tax Efficient Investor. Welcome to the show. I'm Michael Johnston. Joining me today to talk about S-Corps is Nate Yesner. Nate is a CPA and the team director at Engage CPAs, Philly area accounting firm serving individual and small business clients. Nate, thanks for being with me today. Yeah, great to be here, Michael. Happy to join. So we're talking about S-Corps today. So I want to start by getting some, yes. some terminology straight because I think people... Uh, little pet peeve of mine. People mess this up uh, a lot. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you're starting a company. You have to establish the entity, your company, at the state level. So you can pick Correct. Uh, You can pick a lot of different states. A lot of people do Delaware. A lot of people do Wyoming. A lot of people just do their home state. And you basically have yeah. two options when you're establishing those entities. So, so what are those two options? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so there's broadly two and then like variations within. So, sure. I mean, obviously anyone can kind of just start in business and, and kind of go in as a sole proprietor, right? Without any type of entity set up. So that's usually the most uh, kind of the beginning stage. But the first stage would be to look at uh, setting up an LLC okay. uh, for, for most folks. Um, so, you know, whether you're the single owner, you know, in that case, that's a 100% uh, a, what we call a single member LLC. Um, with that entity type, basically, there's no separate filing related to that. You're, it's basically just going to be your personal tax return. And there's what we call a Schedule C, uh, is where you report the revenue and expenses uh, related to that entity type. Um, if it's a multi-member LLC or a partnership with two or more, that is you know, a partnership LLC, uh, also established at the state level. Now, that does have, that does come with a separate corporate filing because the uh, net income, of course, needs to be distributed uh, via a K-1 to each of the partners. Um, and then the other option really, uh, so that's, you know, that falls under the LLC heading. And then the other option would be a C-Corp, C-Corporation. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so, so this would be, you know, for larger, larger entities, certainly ones looking to bring on uh, a diverse amount of like investment. Uh, and, and wanting to be like offering shares, you know, so, so we see a lot of like um, tech tech company startups, right, that uh, are trying to raise a lot of capital, uh, you know, and, and get past that proof of concepts. So that's how they right. um, how they usually are structured. Right. OK, so let's let's zero in on the LLC piece of this. Um, so you kind of touched on this, but but just to make sure everyone's clear and has a good understanding, yeah. what's the, the default tax treatment? Let's say it's a multi-member uh, LLC. What's the, the default tax treatment for how the, the yeah. earnings of that, that business are taxed? Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, so so if you're in the case of an LLC partnership, right? So the, uh, the partners, you really can't take a set, you're actually not pretty, permitted to take like a salary from that entity type, like a W-2. So the way that you compensate yourself is just through draws, or what we call them owner draws, a, a distribution, um, you know, out of the business account into the, the respective personal accounts, none of which has any tax implications. Because ultimately the way uh, that entity type is taxed is at the end of the year, uh, the net income, you know, let's say it's 100,000 at the end of the year, uh, 
and you have two owners 50 50 uh they would each show fifty thousand each on what we call a k1 mm-hmm. so um the tax is not paid at the entity level it's paid at the individual level by each of the the partners of the company so uh they get a k1 it shows fifty thousand. that's their representative share and then that income is included along with their other household income on their personal tax return so yeah, and that's that's why you'll hear these called a lot of times pass-through entities because the income is kind of passes through the llc to the to the individual members yeah well and and, and actually and it's funny you said one of your pet peeves earlier i would say one of mine is that one of the, I would say like the biggest misnomers that I see out there is people say like, oh, let's set up a Wyoming entity or a Delaware entity. Right. And they think that somehow that's going to result in some sort of tax savings. Right. But, and that's a broadly held viewpoint. Like I get a lot of calls with prospective clients that bring these things up and ask. And the, the reality is for any entity other than a C-Corp, so a, a pass through entity, your income follows you. Right. Sure. So. So you're going to pay tax in your state of residency. So um, so we always say, like, it's really keep it simple. You generally want to create the entity in your state, you know, where you know sure. where you reside and we're going to be doing business. There's yeah. really not too much of a workaround outside of that. Yeah. So, for example, let's use a real life example here. The, the, the company uh, that I'm a partner in that, that produces this podcast, we are a Texas LLC. One of my partners is based in Texas. Texas has no state income tax. Um, that's fantastic. Unfortunately, I live in Oregon, so right. state income tax and a pretty high one. So yeah. like Nate said, what matters is where I am. So the income that this company makes doesn't matter that Texas has no state income tax. Unfortunately, if only it were that easy, uh, what matters is the, the income tax in, in the great state of Oregon. Um, yeah. <laughs> right, exactly. So, we exactly. do have no sales tax, so we, we make up for it in that way. And yeah, yeah. Taxes, but yeah, <laughs> um, anyways, that's a, a, a topic for a whole nother day here. So exactly. Um, so let's get let's get to what we're here to talk about. Let's talk about um, S corp treatment and S corp. I, I guess I don't know what the right terminology is. Maybe this is another pet peeve yours. S corp treatment or S corp election. Um, yeah. What happens if you if you go down this route? Yeah, so so I'll actually take one step back and and, and complete the answer on the partnership question because that because yeah. that will set up the stage for why people consider the S corp. So, so you know the one thing that that I failed to mention on the K one income that we mentioned. So the partnership, you know, uh, hundred thousand of net income each partner fifty thousand each. When that uh, income hits their personal return, it's considered self employment income. Mm-hmm. So that's an important thing I want a, a distinction I want to make. So. Because, as I mentioned earlier, you're not permitted to pay yourself via W-2. Um, so for non-real estate, we'll get into this later, but non-real estate uh, LLC partnerships, that the income from that K-1 is considered self-employment income. And what that means is it's taxed twice effectively, right? Because not only are you taxed at your ordinary uh, tax rate of, of, you know, for your household, you know, whatever your household falls under, but there's a second layer of tax, what we call the self-employment tax. So that's that's 15.3%. And what that is comprised of is Social Security and Medicare. Now, usually for a lot of folks who are employees of a company, just have a W-2 salary. If you look at your pay stub, you can see Social Security and Medicare coming out. That's 7.65%. That's the FICA tax. And then the employer pays the other half of that, an identical other half. Together, that's 15.3%. So... Yep. As a self-employed individual, you're basically paying the employee and the employer portion of, of the payroll taxes, and we call that self-employment tax. 
So, yeah. so this is why folks uh, take, you know, consider the S, the S corporation election, I guess, is how I refer to it. So, um, so basically, when you elect to be treated as an S corporation, because underneath it all, we just talked about the state level, your entity is established, you're an LLC, you could be a C corp, that will always be the case, but you can elect to be treated as an S corporation. And when that happens, as far as as soon as that election is made, you're effectively an employee of your own company at that point, right? So you're no longer uh, self-employed, right? And in, in that scenario, yeah. so so the benefit there is that there's um, sort of a an immediate windfall savings because now you no longer have to have to pay, incur and pay this uh, self-employment tax. So to kind of to kind of give like a just a very basic, simple number example of that, right? So if you have a, a, a business, let's say you're a single member LLC, right? Let's just say um, you're the 100% owner and your business has 100,000 in net income, right? At the end of the year, that, that, that net income will be reported on your Schedule C on your personal tax return. And that's included that 100,000 in your overall household income. That stream of income has an additional 15,300 yeah, uh, in tax assessed on it. Self-employment self tax. Yeah. Yep. So yep. as if you elect at, you know, to be treated as an S corp, same scenario, hundred thousand in 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 net income, right? There's a, re a requirement. We can go into this more later that you pay yourself a salary because you're an employee of your own company. So right. uh, you have to pay yourself a quote unquote reasonable salary. We can talk about that a little bit more later. Um, and we would typically say. There's a lot of schools of thought of how much that should be, but let's just say for this example that it's 50,000 just to keep it simple, right? So, so in this case, you pay out about 50,000 of your 100,000 in the form of a salary and you're left with the remaining 50,000 as just residual net income. So yeah. in that case, you're paying payroll taxes only on the 50,000 of salary that you've paid, not on the full 100,000 um, yeah. of, of the net income. So in this case, that's, Right there, about a seven, you know, seven thousand six hundred fifty dollars savings, right? Because that's sure. half of the fifteen thousand three hundred self employment tax. Yeah. So this this is great, Nate. And let's just dive in a, a little bit more in, into the into the weeds here. So in this example, yeah. this fifty thousand dollars, this is coming now in a more traditional paycheck. So uh, payroll taxes are going to be withheld. So there will be some federal you know, estimates of the federal income tax withheld. You're going to have the the FICA tax withheld. Uh, I looked this up actually. Yeah. I didn't know FICA Federal Insurance Contributions Act. So I, I learned yeah. something preparing for oh, the show go. here. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so on that salary, you're not saving anything on that salary because you're paying um, you're paying that fifteen point three percent. You're kind of paying it twice. You're paying half as the employee and half as the employer. And then your business is paying the other half. Yeah. 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 Is is kind of how I would look on look at that. Exactly. Uh, but then what's what's left? The fifty thousand dollars—that's not the salary, but is the the profits yes. or the distribution. There's no self-employment tax on that, and that's where the savings come in. Is that the it, is that the gist of it? Exactly, and yes. Yeah, yeah. So that so that's the benefit because that residual leftover net profit comes to you in the form of a K one. So, yeah. so so basically, you know, at the end of the year, as the owner of an S corp, you're going to get a W two for the salary that you paid yourself, and then a K one which is, you know, accounts for the, the remainder of, of the net income together, that equals your, you know, basically your net profit, you know, from the business or your earnings, I'll put it from the business. 
Yeah. Um, and, and, and the benefit, I think, you know, there's a structure that being an S Corp kind of brings about, right? Because I think a lot of people like the, the sort of regularity of having like a paycheck sure. each month. And there's a sort of cash flow uh, aid to that, right? Because to your point, not only are you, um, you know, unfortunately generating payroll taxes that have to be paid, but you could also elect to withhold federal taxes, state taxes, which sort of alleviates the burden of quarterly estimates that have to be made, right, um, in anticipation yep. of your year-end tax bill. Yeah, it, it doesn't, that doesn't save you any any money, but certainly saves you some um, complexity costs, I guess, if it's done automatically versus having to remember to do it and, and risk penalties. Exactly. Um, exactly. Yeah. So for, for the, the listeners out there, just a, a couple a couple points here, because nothing is ever quite as simple as it seems, right, Nate? Right. So um, a, a exactly. couple of things that we've that we've simplified a little bit here. So we've said that um, this is 15.3%, um, and that's pretty much right. But I, I think how that breaks down technically is there's a, a social security tax of 12.4% of 12 12 that's yeah. just on the first $147,000. And I'm talking about the self-employment tax now. So- 12.4% on the first 147,000. I think that number is indexed for inflation, so it'll it'll go up each year, presumably. Yeah, it's, it's, it's uh, 160 now. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah. That's okay. Great. That's the number for for 2023 is 160. Correct. Is that right? Correct. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then there's a Medicare tax of 2.9% that's on everything you make, and then there's yeah. an additional Medicare tax of 0.9% uh, on anything over 250 thousand dollars. So. That all works yeah. out to roughly fifteen point three percent, but um, exactly we're we're getting we're getting maybe too far into the weeds here. But um, depending yeah. on where you are, some of those some of those thresholds start to come into play with kind of um, with kind of calculating this. The other thing, the self employment tax, um, which sucks. Um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> right. to use some colorful language here, but yeah. fortunately, um, I believe half of your self employment tax is is deductible. Um, for, for, for purposes of calculating federal, so that alleviates it um, a little bit. Um, exactly. But, but still, the self-employment taxes—it's um, a bummer. I, I pay it each year, and um, it, it stings. So, ways to alleviate it through an S corp uh, election is is valuable. So, um, yeah. This is all to well, say, well, well uh, all to say, Nate, that um, individual circumstances are going to matter. You know what this is worth to you. Um, it's going to depend on uh, how much money you're making, what you can justify as a salary, um, et cetera. So I'm going to put some additional resources in the show notes for folks who really want to uh, get yeah. into the weeds here and, and figure it out. But um, it's going to depend a little bit on your circumstances. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. And I guess I'm biased when I say this, but yeah, I always encourage folks to you know reach out to your to your yeah. CPA and, and sort of, of uh, or reach out to us and, and, and we can kind of talk through it because uh yeah, it, it, it kind of truly is a case by case basis on like what what you're looking to achieve with the business, um, you know, of what you expect the next several years to look like. Um, yep. And yeah, a, a whole host of factors of the involvement of the various shareholders in the business. So uh, and then, you know, one thing I'll mention, too, when we talked about some of the, you know, very general that, that simple calculation I threw out there of like the potential savings of that basically 7600 basically in that scenario of of 100,000 with 50,000 yeah. paid out of W-2. One thing that you have to kind of uh, subtract from that is there are some additional costs uh, sure. of, of being an S-Corp, right? So, uh, you know, especially if you're if you're going from being a single member LLC to an S-Corp, now, you, now you're entering a new world where you have a separate corporate tax filing, which, you know, could cost 
you know, easily around $1,500, let's say, like maybe on average for, for that corporate tax return filing. And then, of course, you need a payroll provider like an, you know, uh, you know, like an AVP or a Gusto or who, you know, any of those ones would work um, where, uh, you know, there's let's call it maybe 800 a year in in uh, in payroll processing fees. Right. To, to process your monthly payroll as the owner. So so these things, of course, cut in a little bit to your overall tax savings. Yeah. Yeah. Um, good, good points there. Nate. So I, I want to talk in just a minute about any other drawbacks of, of the S-Corp status. Yeah. Um, just to kind of put a bow on this, though, I think the, the way that this works mechanically, and, and again, we'll put some resources in the show notes for anyone who, who really wants to see the money flow. If you make yeah. the S-Corp election, you're incentivized to, to have your salary be as low as possible um, because you yeah, don't save money on the salary. You save money on the, the profits over that. Um, right. But you've kind of you've kind of alluded to this already, and I think it's a really important point. You can't just say though, okay, my salary is a dollar. Um, it's got to be. I don't remember the term you use, but um, like uh, a, a reason, fair market reasonable rate. salary. Yeah, reasonable. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, and, and I'll mention real quick on that point. You know, it's a that's a subjective term to an sure. extent. Uh, so you know, there's different schools of thought with this. I would say like probably the most popular kind of prevalent rule of thumb that is out there is a 60-40 split. Okay. Uh, is, is we call it so so again in that hundred thousand dollar example you know about 60 in, in that case it would be maybe sixty thousand would be salary the other 40 would be distributions um because that's another that's another point to make i want to make sure i emphasize that because i get this yeah. question a lot people say oh because you know when they when they first elect to be treated as an s corp i i lay out what their salary is going to be their w-2 salary and they say well i can't live on that and i say well i wouldn't expect you to be able to because the other element of that, I want to make sure it's clear, is that you, you can also take distributions um, um, in addition to your salary to augment your salary. Um, but and, and the typical, uh, like I said, the ratio that, that seems to be out there uh, in prevalence is that 60-40. Uh, you know, to be candid over here at Engage, we often push more of like a 50-50. Um, and then there's another maybe I would say a more conservative um, uh, mindset out there of just like, well, what is the sort of replacement cost, sure. right? Or what's the sort of market rate for my role? You know, if, if the owner were to step back and you were to hire someone, what would what would you have to pay them? That's another way to look at it. Um, so yeah, so there's a sort of balance <laughs> that you have to look at with it case by case. Yep. Very good. Um, so, so you mentioned a couple of the potential drawbacks, um, some increased costs, you got to find a payroll provider, you're going to have an additional tax fine that might might cost you a little bit of money. Any other drawbacks or reasons not to do, to to go the S corp route? Yeah, I mean, um, I mean, generally speaking, you're going to find I mean, um, there are scenarios where your savings, you know, from from going to S corp will, you know, not um, be overly significant, but it, you know, in most scenarios, uh, if your uh, you know if your net income from your business is you know solidly over, let's say fifty thousand a year, um, you know you're you're generally going to come out on top of, on the S corp. Um, some of the drawbacks are you know just there's just more admin. You know it's it's um, you know a lot of folks you know especially you know if you're an LLC partnership. Um, you're probably already accustomed to some of that admin because you already have to have a corporate return prepared. And if you have a corporate return done, you know, as you know, like from a partnership, like there's things like capital accounts that you have to track. And 
So the bookkeeping is a bit more involved and, and important, frankly, um, because basically it's not just the P&L. You've got to have a, an accurate balance sheet and, and equity accounts to, to be tracking. So the S corporation is no different. You know, it's it's important to have a full set of books, and I have a lot of clients that, some of which making a lot of money, like so it you know like that are single member LLCs that are just using spreadsheets. You know, they have an Excel spreadsheet, and when you go to the S corporate, you really need like a, a set of books, like a, a profit yeah. and loss and a balance sheet. So that's that's in a, you know an additional burden. Also the the, uh, you could look at that, Nate. Sorry to cut you off here. You could look at that as a positive or a negative. I think it, it might be nice to force you to, to get out of using a spreadsheet to do your books and say, I, exactly. I need, "I'm going to I'm going to make the S corp election, and I'm, I'm going to use the take advantage of this push to to get me to uh, get onto proper QuickBooks at least." Anyway, I love that. That's how I look at it. I don't know. If that's exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So so and then some of the things I touched on earlier, right? Like just um, you have to be very um, sort of along the lines of, of the bookkeeping is you have to be uh, a bit very careful with your um, with your equity uh, and, and tracking like the retained earnings of your business. Um, in, in other entity types, that's not something that you have to worry about. Um, but like basically, um, you have to be much more aware, aware of the tally of the cumulative earnings of the company and then how much you're drawing from the company and making sure that that is not in excess yeah. of the cumulative earnings of the company. We'll talk on that about that a little bit more later. Um, but, and one more point, like just on the, you know, I've seen scenarios where, you know, a, a, a new S Corp owner will have a couple of good years and then for whatever reason, they kind of move away from the business or go in a different direction. Well, there's an infrastructure, so to speak, that's set up. Like, you know, you, you will often have to um, register for uh, a payroll account number, uh, ID numbers at the state level and the state is waiting for payroll tax filings. Yeah. So there's yeah. a lot of like moving parts that get set in motion when you go into the escrow and you get on payroll. So there's a lot of maintenance that you just have to make sure you're you're staying on top of. Hmm. Um, so, but yeah, I would say, I mean, that that's, mo and then the last thing I can, I can kind of think of is just uh, distribution. So, you know, if, if it's not a one, if, if there are multiple shareholders, uh, you know, it's, it's rigid in, in the S corp world, which is different than the other entity types and the, the distributions have to be equal. So if, you know, if it's 50, 50 partners, if 50, uh, 50 shareholders, if one takes out a distribution, the other has to have one in equal amount. Oh, so, okay. so just another thing to be aware of and to track to make sure that you're honoring this sort of integrity of the arrangement of the S corp entity. Got it. So for folks who do, they run the numbers, they talk to you, they talk to their CPA and say, yeah, this sounds good. How mechanically do you make this S-Corp election? Because I think that the default is your, your partner, your tax is a partnership, right? So how do you, how do you do this? Yeah. So, so typically each year um, there is a, there's a deadline every year for the calendar year. So, so on March 15th of every calendar year, assuming that you're a, an entity that's been in existence, um, you have till March 15th, technically, to send in the what we call the Form 2553, which is uh, which is the S election form. Um, and so and that's retroactive. So, so if you send this in by March 15th, you will be an S Corp effective 1-1 uh, okay. January 1st of that calendar year or whenever the beginning of your fiscal year is for, for that election period. Got um, it. 
Got it. So, so the, the the ship has the ship has sailed for for 2023. But if you get it in by March 15th, 2024, then you'll be an S corporation for 2024. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Now, now although there are some now, it's funny though because you know I, it's never you know, as simple as, as it's never as simple right? as that. There is there is more leeway with that, right? So so sure. that you can do late elections. Okay. Um, so, so I'll so I'll have scenarios like this because you know in my line of work I'm doing a lot of consulting with businesses throughout the year. We're monitoring their profitability and and we'll have scenarios where about eight months or nine months into the year or sometimes even more tides will have changed and and the profitability goes much higher than we anticipated. Uh, okay. This happens a lot with newer businesses that you know high margin businesses that maybe have yeah. an unexpected uh, you know amount of money coming. So Good it's problem uh, to have. Yeah, it's a good problem to have. So you can do what's called a late election where same process, you you can you fill out a form 2553. This is one where I would definitely, I would recommend in general going to a CPA or a business entity lawyer to help you with this election because, uh, you know, the, the IRS can be sticklers with things that seemingly don't matter. And I mean, like the formatting of it and making sure you have the words, the right wording. Um, and this is especially important for the late election. Um, but basically, you know, the idea is um, as soon as you send in that election, uh, you're not going to you're not going to hear back from the IRS for sometimes a year. I've seen clients, you send it in, you hear nothing. It's crickets. Hmm. And they'll, they'll finally get an S-Corp acceptance letter, like sometimes six, six months to a year later saying we've accepted your election. So you basically just have to begin living as if you're an S-Corp immediately after filing okay. the election. So, so really the, the, the important thing is this, you know, whether you do a timely election or you're in a scenario where you had to do a late election, um, as long as you have basically checked the boxes of compliance for an S-Corp by the end of your fiscal year or calendar year, the IRS has very little incentive to uh, reject that election. And what I mean by that is that you've paid yourself adequate wages, right? That right. reasonable salary. Right. Okay. So what are some, um, you kind of touched on this th throughout, but if there's anything else you want to add, what are some mistakes people make? Um, you've mentioned, you know, there's, there's deadlines yeah. you got to get it in by the salary, um, paying yeah. yourself too little probably raises your audit risk and is going to set off some, some, uh, red flags. Um, any other mistakes, any other things you yeah. see people screw up? Yeah. So, so one, I mean, so not all States are the same is something okay. to, to, uh, and it's funny, like you know, at, our, at our firm, we've had, you know, in, in years past, some growing pains as we've started to learn more and more of the, all 50 states. And, you know, so there are some states like California comes to mind uh, or some specific uh, like New York City, for example, if you're a New York City entity that have um, additional taxes that they will apply on mm. S corporations specifically mm. uh, that sort of mute some of the overall tax savings that you might otherwise experience in another state right so california has like a, fran a franchise tax basically yep. that is um uh one and a half percent i believe of of the net income you know it's not overly significant but it you know it adds up and, and it can be something to think about so i've seen folks kind of rush into it in certain states where you know they're not getting quite as much of the benefit as they thought the other thing i, I see is just premature and i actually see this all the time and it's sad for me to see because I'll see new clients coming from another CPA firm that was, um, you know, in our industry, we're, we're sort of incentivized to to push the S-Corp election, right? Even if it's not suitable, because to be candid, 
you know, that's another return that a CPA firm yeah. can file for revenue, right? For, you know, and sure. then you can, so there's, a, there's incentive to not be a fiduciary, I guess you could call it, right? On behalf of the client. So I've seen scenarios where, where businesses, it's just premature. They're just not making enough money where it's making sense. And now they're, and maybe they're never going to. And now they're sort of stuck with this sort of infrastructure, this administrative cost of, of the filing where it's not really appropriate, you know. Um, so so that would be one thing. And then I've seen, um, uh, we talk about the, the, I mentioned earlier, having to have a focus on the retained earnings and, and the equity that, that, that the shareholder has in the company, especially over the last several years with the pandemic, we had a lot of interesting scenarios where companies were getting very large loans, right? You know, these kind of pandemic relief loans. And in some scenarios, okay. we saw situations where, well, there's an influx of money. Well, the shareholder thought, well, great. I'm just going to take out all of this money that I just got and move it into my personal account. And that created a scenario of what we call of an excess just distribution. So basically, if you look at their balance sheet, their equity shows as like a negative, a negative hmm. number, right? Which is basically telling us cumulatively, cumulatively, they've taken out more money out of the business than the business has generated from inception. So that right. creates a scenario where uh, we call it excess distributions. And that is a scenario where those excess distributions um, should be taxed, basically. Um, so it's something that we always monitor. Like sometimes you can convert that into sort of a shareholder loan to kind of buy time for the shareholder to get back into the positive territory. But we have seen scenarios where basically it is a, a very significant number. Um, and basically the remedy for that is that that gets thrown into taxable income and you have well, to pay tax on that amount. So that's 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 something to be definitely try to avoid because that's yeah, that's not good. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, well, Nate, this has been fantastic. You've given us a, a great walkthrough of the, the S Corp, the, the good, the bad, most mostly good. Um, yeah. The ugly, I guess, when when people end up getting a bunch of money thrown into taxable income. Last question for you. Where can folks go if they want to find more, uh, uh, find out more about you or they want to reach out because they've got questions about uh, their, their business? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So we're, we're engaged CPAs. Uh, we're, we're a firm just outside of Philadelphia here and and so we're, our website is engagedcpas.com. Uh, we're on, you know, under the same name, Engage CPAs. We're on Instagram and and I guess, do we call it Twitter still? Is that? Uh, but, <laughs> sure. So, I'm so, still going to call it Twitter. <laughs> so, um, and YouTube as well. So, yeah, so we're, we're out there. And and I think um, we'll have it in, in the notes. You know, my my colleague uh, Dave wrote this wonderful blog on on the uh, on the S-Corporation uh you know, treatment and, and a lot of the considerations. We have a lot of blogs on our website that, uh, you know, your folks are happy to, to look through. And and we're always here if, if folks need some help or want to talk through any issues or if an S election is, is suitable for their business. Okay, wonderful. Yes, we'll make sure that uh, this article, as well as uh, Nate's contact information um, and, and his company's engage is in the show notes. Uh, with that, this has been great. Nate, thanks so much for joining me today. Yeah, it was a pleasure, Michael. That's it for today's show. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider leaving us a rating and review on iTunes or Spotify to help spread the word to other investors. And we'll be back soon with another episode.